Good morning, everyone. I've got only two sheets to work with, and I'm going to take a chance again on this computer. <laughs> Sometimes it works nicely, and we'll give it a go. Then it might bring up these extra verses that I have quicker. So, uh, in uh, looking for the topic and looking for uh, how to integrate it into what I've already talked about a couple of times, um, the uh, last couple of sermons that I gave were on salvation, actually, and how you could use the verses to witness to somebody that you're near or talking to. And then it's not only the verse, but the idea, the topic, so that you match the topic with the person's knowledge already or their abilities to uh, handle the information that you're giving them. Um, we do have to be careful not to overload people at their knowledge level of the topic that you're on. Uh, it's always that funny joke where you hear about the farmer that went to church and uh, nobody else came, just this one farmer and the pastor. So the pastor said, well, what do you think? Should we do some churchy work? He said, the man said, well, you prepared a sermon? Yeah. He said, well, well go ahead and give the sermon. And, well, there's only two of us. And he said, well, if I go out to feed the cows and only one comes, I, I still feed them. Oh, okay. So the preacher got up there and he really was laying it on pretty heavy. And when he got done, he asked the farmer, he said, well, how did you like that? And he said, well, when I go out to feed the cows and only one cow comes, I don't unload the whole load. <laughs> so, uh, so I've tried to cut this in pieces, right? So that we can grasp it a little easier or remember it. And you might want to take notes. I didn't know what to call it again and again by the same name. But uh, I put again the word steps to, to salvation. And this would be part three. But I didn't necessarily call it that in all of the others. But that's, that's the idea. That's where we're at. And if you'd like a copy of these verses, all of them, it's quite a few, uh, in the three to five groups that I've narrowed it down to, uh, just ask and I'll get you a copy of it. We can copy it here at the church or we can email it to you and so on. So this is still called Steps to Salvation. That's for each individual person to make these steps. Um, one I don't think is in here is baptism. Oh, well, no, we, maybe we know that that's automatic. <laughs> uh, but it probably does get said somewhere in these these verses. But... Sometimes we miss some of the others. And I know last time when I started speaking on uh, uh, repentance, which I'd already done the week before. And you think, well, why did he do that? Well, actually, when you start to learn about God, you have to learn something about remorse for your wrongdoing. That becomes a knowledge of sin. It becomes a knowledge of 
another uh, repentance, another reason to repent or another way of repentance that you come to knowledge of. And then, of course, when you, you read other scriptures or catch some of them here, of the baptism, that you want to make it, uh, give yourself a challenge, you might say, or uh, next step, what's, what's the next uh, basic steps or strengths of steps. We sure want God on your side. So that means you want to be baptized. And remember this story in the Bible where the guy was reading while they're going along down the road and the prophet came to him and he said, I see you're reading. What, what are you reading from? What are you reading about? And uh, I'm not telling the story the way it really is in the Bible, but uh, that's the kind of idea. He was sent by God and he arrived there about 30 miles from where he had been. Just all of a sudden he was there. And uh, the guy said, well, I'm reading from Isaiah. And at that point in the scriptures, in the New Testament, the fellow said to him, or the scripture says to us, that he's going to start at that point where that person was and start expounding the scriptures to him right from where he was. Well, that means we have to do a lot of reading on our own, a lot of study on our own, right? To know what's next. How you approach the next step. What was the guy reading about? He's reading about Jesus. So we had other questions first. And all of a sudden, as they're going along, he says, you know, I think here's water. Enough water. Uh, whether it was a pond or, or just what kind of water. But he said, there's water here. What hinders me from being baptized? And the prophet said to him, if I tried to use his name, I'd probably not get it. <laughs> but uh, he said, uh, well, there's nothing hindering you as long as you believe in Jesus Christ and want salvation, repentance, and conversion. And so he didn't use all those words, but that's what he was hinting at, that there are steps. And if you know about those steps and you're willing to pass those steps or are wanting to do those steps, yes, you can be baptized. Right here, right now. You know, you don't have to wait till the next week or next time you get to Jerusalem or, you know, Next time you go past the Jordan River, you know, uh, you didn't have to wait on those things. You can do it right now. But there was a commitment that needed to be made. Some commitments are made only to the Heavenly Father. Some commitments last week, or is it this week? Uh, uh, it was last week, I guess. Um, that you repent to the Heavenly Father, but you also repent and witness and testify to local people, human beings. That's a big one. Because it's really saying, I do believe what I say I do. And I'm going to do what I say. So that's a, a beautiful step. So the guy said, yes, you know, I, I want to be baptized. I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in salvation. Um, so he was baptized on the spot. So first there was a repentance from uh, things that you should know or do know in a basic way, quite basic. Then you go through a couple of other steps and all of a sudden it'll come up again in a list of that you need to re uh, repent again in a different kind of a way. Of course you want it right side up. <laughs> uh, so on my list that I was working with, a conviction of sin brings a certain condition to you that you want to repent of, that you understand sin, what it is. 
Then there's condemnation. Start feeling condemnation that you're not right. You're not good. You're not, you know, people say, how are you today? Oh, I'm good. What did Jesus say when he was asked? There's no one good except the Heavenly Father. Wow. Maybe we should think, rethink our answer. You know, when somebody asks us, are you good? What are you going to say? Just let it slide or are you going to add a few words? <laughs> Time to witness. Um, only God is good. So there's a condemning of ourselves. The third step would be repentance. But we talked about repentance may come right early on of things that you know are wrong. So you repent. And then there's confession to God. When you're reading the prayers of the Bible, they often say, I have sinned. We have sinned. The nation of Israel, we have sinned. Or I have sinned. And it's one of the key people in the Bible. So we need that shock to our system, I guess you might say, that uh, we need to confess before the Heavenly Father and confess before men our resolve and our sturdiness of what we want to say and do, uh, that we confess Jesus Christ before men, confess that I was not okay, I needed to be saved, I needed to move certain things in my life. And then for today, I'll be talking about atonement, that's satisfactory. And uh, conversion, a bigger step than just uh, confessing and uh, uh, repentance. This uh, um, conversion is really a different word, a different way of using it. People are converted from this hobby to that hobby, or this behavior to that behavior. They call that um, conversion. They learned something and they agreed to abide by Well, the same thing in faith, right? With serving the Heavenly Father, knowing about the Bible, knowing that the Bible is true and knowing this and that. We start converting to certain conditions, the Bible standards or, or, or truths of the Bible. That would be conversion. And then uh, resurrection. Pardon me. Regeneration. That's a little different, isn't it? <laughs> Just a little, huh? <laughs> Regeneration. We're going to change ourselves so much that people are going to be able to notice it. Now, we do it? No, the Heavenly Father has to do it. The Holy Spirit has to do it. We are buying into the program. We're saying, yes, the steps are right, and I need to be doing those things. That's converting to an idea and getting this uh, regeneration going on in their life. And they're often called born again or born of the Spirit. There are some churches that do not want you to say those words. You must not say, I'm born again. They feel like that's lying or something. Read the scriptures and find out how the Bible talks about those things and, and do that mannerism, that behavior. Okay, that's the right way to do it. So we're born of the Spirit. Then there'll be three more after that. And those three you'll want to know because my children were refused baptism because they didn't know some of those words that are about that long. That is not fair. It should have been an immediate way of solving that problem. Our children were ready for baptism, our son and our daughter. They were ready for baptism. 
They'd heard of these steps. They had lived these steps in, in their life. They were ready. So you have to come next week to find out what these large words are that some pastor <laughs> expected our children to know. And they weren't very old. I was only 10 when I was baptized. I'm sure I did not understand the depths of those long words. That's not fair to not baptize them when they're ready. And that's what the pastor said for our children. He said, when the children are ready, it's a different pastor. He said, when the children are ready and they understand far enough or sufficient, then baptize them. That's what happened with me. I knew enough of these steps and I knew enough of truth and faith and and, uh, behavior, mannerisms, forgiveness, atonement, satisfaction, all kinds of words that we could put in here. I knew enough of that, that I wanted to be with Jesus. And when the trumpet blew, I wanted to be ready to meet him. So I got baptized at 10 years old. My sister and I both were baptized at the same time. She's a couple years older. And I'm sure and she was well in believing on that too. So let's take our, our Bibles. And I want to go to... I've said enough on these uh, ones, the real deep repentance. Sometimes I try to put some depth to uh, uh, being baptized. And, you know, you, sometimes they sign the church book. No, that's, <laughs> that's not going to save you. Uh, but when you say, I'm going to be baptized, and you do it, that's like saying, I believe this. You write something down. Put an X or, you know, this is me. I'm really doing this. Sometimes they have a little book and you open it, and there's these questions and Bible verses written out. And you get down to the bottom, you, there is a place for you to sign. That is for you, not anybody else. Are you sure you're putting your name to this belief that you're going to agree with? And the basics is salvation. Some steps to salvation. So, okay, uh, try to get some real depth and meaning to repentance so that it sticks. And then, of course, the um, other things I mentioned about confessing to the Heavenly Father and confessing your faith before others. So here's some I want to go through. Um, Atonement. It's a little bit bigger word. There has to be some satisfaction and recompense for the things that we've done wrong. If possible, you are to fix the problems. Sometimes you can't. People died. Anything could have happened. And you can't go back and fix your problem. That's why it's very important to understand these so that you keep them fixed up while you're going. So you don't have to go back and try to find out who you did what to and what you need to repent of. So just keep those things going. Uh, You'll notice in some verses in the scriptures about men that met up with Jesus. And he automatically started uh, saying what he does with his life, trying to uh, not excuse himself, but trying to say, I I really do believe this. This is how I do it. I've given this money to those people. I've given that. I don't defraud people. I don't be fraudulent with people. He's trying to make a repentance, you might say. Though he was past that point. But he wanted to make sure that Jesus knew Repenting before the Heavenly Father, repenting for, from before Jesus. Those are all important. And then reconciliation uh, between God and man. How does that happen? 
through Jesus Christ. So we want to look at some verses. Let's see if I can find... Um, put this down here. I'm going to take a chance. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Uh, Romans 5. I went Romans 5 and verse 9. Romans 5, verse 9. Would you believe it was the last one on here? So I, I'm in good stead. <laughs> okay. So, if I look at Romans, Romans 5, verse 9, and I'm going to read uh, um, a few more verses. Three, three verses, two verses there, down to verse 11. Much more than, chapter 5, verse 9 of Romans, Romans 5, 9. Much more than, than being now justified by, move this over a bit, I think. Uh, being now justified by his blood, blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And when you want, you hit these hymns and so on, you want to go back a little bit and find out who they're talking about. Well, this is talking about Jesus, that through Jesus, if it wasn't through him, we're in real trouble. He was the one that stood up for us. We're justified by his blood, the fact that he died on the cross. The lamb that was slain in the Old Testament, so the blood, it's important. Verse 10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You really need to take that apart. Think about each word that, as you're going. Uh, what did Jesus do in his life? He was baptized, was one thing. Anyway. Um, but if you went through his life and, and started thinking of some serious things that Jesus did for us, died on the cross, took our sins, and so you read those verses and say, yes, I understand what you're talking about. We're saved by his life. What life? Well, in the present world, yes, as well. But he came back from the dead. He's alive now. That is all part of the actions, you might say, that we're being saved by his life. The 11th verse, And not, so, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, the forgiving, the, the putting the blood on the doorposts and putting, the, you know, killing the animal in the Old Testament, the blood. How did that happen in the New Testament? Jesus died on the cross. He died. He bled for us, not only with whippings and beatings and harshness and the nails in his hands and so on. There's, there was blood involved. There was pain involved. And Jesus was willing to do that for us. So through that, then when you think of it, it's not just Jesus. I like the way that it's said, though, in the King James. Lord Jesus Christ. Is Jesus your Lord? You have to do what your master tells you, and that would make him a Lord. Do you place him that high in, in control over your life? Is he your Lord? And Jesus was his name, earthly name. And Christ means Messiah. 
the one that can save you, can take away your sins. So it's Jesus Christ, that's, that's, that's the right way of putting it. And putting Lord in front of it, is meaning that much more power to it, that much more strength to it. So that's being reconciled to God. When you start believing that is a truth and being able to tell others, uh, showing that you do believe it, it's the reconciliation between God, the Heavenly Father, and mankind, which Jesus was that in-between. He was the one that could do that. Okay, now if we go to John 17, verse 21. I'll try the same trick here and see if I get lucky. <laughs> don't go by luck, do we? We go by the power of the Heavenly Father. Uh, John 17. Give it a try here. I don't think I got lucky on that one. I did not. Okay, let's go to John in the Scriptures. John 17. Here we go. John seventeen twenty one. That they all may be one as thou. Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So in other words, if this statement, this one sentence even, or if you wanted to back up and get a couple more sentences, if the Father, Jesus is talking to his red letters. He's talking to his Father. and the Father, that you are in me. Can you have God in you? Yeah. You know, when that starts happening, then our mind twigs and says, that's, that's real, we can do that. Jesus can do that. God can have the Father in Him, and I in Thee, the two interacting tightly together, that they also may be one as us, the 12 now, or 120 in the upper room, and they're all going to be one people, one thinking, one way of doing things, one righteousness. And then you go on, that the world may believe this is not only for us trying to tell our, our church brother and sister that I'm a believer. That doesn't hold a lot of water. But can the world see it? Somebody was one time talking about how he was a mule dealer and mule train driver. Said the mules knew that he was converted. He had a different language that he was using. Okay. Can they see it? And then... Uh, uh, that we are one, that the Heavenly Father and Jesus are, are one in that action of saving them. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In other words, when the scripture says God sent Jesus, right, one God cannot send another God. That doesn't work, right? One incorporation cannot tell another corporation what to do. 
That's true. So something here is deeper. The Heavenly Father has more power and authority because He sent Jesus. And I, I always say, wow, Jesus is so powerful. Even the waves and the winds obey Him. Right? And so I say, oh, second in command of the universe? Maybe that's a way of saying it. But wow, you don't want to tangle with Him. You, know? you don't want to get crossways with the Lord Jesus Christ because of His power and authority and respect. And so there's, there's something going on here that we need to think through. And if you believe that, can the world see it? Because this begins to be that witness that you're doing to other people, that they can see that you really do believe those things. Okay, let's go on to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm checking again. I'm hopeful. But it's just not there. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse Ephesians. Got it. I put little papers in there to kind of help so that I can get there fairly fairly quickly. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 and then I'm going to read down just a little ways. Chapter 2 and verse 12. Okay, let's take it from 12 that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is how everybody starts, right? Nobody's born with a silver spoon in their mouth. We're all sinners. We have to come to Christ and accept Christ. and We have to make these steps. There was a time when you were without Christ before you accepted Christ as your Savior, without having Christ in you. These Ephesians were like that. Remember when they chanted and they wanted their goddess and so on? Um, they were not born with a silver spoon. They were aliens. You know, this, this hits me pretty strong because I was an alien to the United States. Right? And I was in the commonwealth of a country of commonwealth countries that Israel was also in, in Canada and so on. And I was a stranger. When the Bible uses stranger, it means you're a foreigner. You're from another country. That's true. I was. Wow. Okay. From, and I was also from an alien to a stranger from the covenants of promise. That was not Israel that I had any knowledge of. There might have been a sprinkle of blood there somewhere along the line, but <laughs> you know that's not what saves you. So I was without those promises. So the promises in the Bible didn't mean anything to me. It didn't belong to me. They belonged to somebody else. 
But when you accept Christ as your Savior, those blessings, those promises belong to you. And that's what he's pointing out here. These people were aliens and strangers and um, they, they were not without hope. I mean, oh man, you're outside of the fence. You don't get salvation. When it goes by, you don't get it. That's important to understand that when you're coming to Christ and accepting him as your Savior, that you were in a bad way. There's nothing there for you. It didn't belong to you. But what about now? But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh, brought close, by the blood of Christ. That blood was for everybody. When Jesus gave his life, it was for everybody, if they want it. If they don't want it, it's not pushed on you. Okay? You accept Jesus as your Savior on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So he's saying that you were far off. You didn't get this. You didn't accept it. You weren't, weren't even involved because Israel were the only ones. You'd have to become Hebrew first and do all the Jewish customs and traditions. And then you maybe could join. In fact, they've got a way of you joining. Now you have to study these certain books to be Hebrew, to be Jewish. You have to study these certain books. And then you have a test. And you're supposed to fail. Because you have to do the test three times before they'll accept you. What chapter was that? There isn't one. That's not in the Bible. Okay. So anyway, here you go. Next verse is verse 14. For he is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There's this barrier between the Hebrew people and the, the, the Gentile people. There's a barrier there. There's a barrier then automatically between the Heavenly Father and the Jewish people. There's a barrier there that we don't fit into. But he said, now the middle wall is broken down. There's not going to be any Jews and Greeks and Romans and all of this sort of thing. We're all one in Christ. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. These words are a little bit, sometimes not as easy to follow straight through. Um, so this fence, this barrier, has been broken down by Christ being the in-between. He's the mediator between God and man. And that he might reckon, uh, reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace. Jesus preached peace to you which were far off and to them that are nigh, were nigh. For through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. We have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. We have one, we have access. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, or, but citizens, fellow citizens. 
it was really different when you do become a fellow citizen of the United States. When I heard the, the writing that said the r rule of law, the United States runs by the rule of law. What is that? Yeah, maybe I ought to look it up. <laughs> yeah, the rule of law. Because that makes you a fellow citizen and uh, the way things are done is done by that standard. So um, the foundation on Jesus Christ and the prophets and so on, uh, Jesus being the chief cornerstone is written right there in verse 20. And uh, go, go on further on down, uh, building fitly joined together. These are words that put you in touch with the, tra uh, the traveling of these meanings. Okay, verse 22 is the last one there. Colossians 1. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to get uh, verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 20. A couple of verses here, three. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, peace for us, peace of connection, a way of communicating. And he didn't bring problems and situations. He brought peace. By him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, uh, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Jesus is doing this reconciliation and bringing people together. I want a couple more verses here, I guess. Um, in the body of the flesh through death, his death, to present you holy. Present, he's going to present you to somebody else, to the Heavenly Father, holy. Oh my goodness. That's something on our part that we have to do. Do we act holy? Do we respond holy? Wow. Present you holy, unblameable. Nobody can point a finger and say, you did it wrong, you did this. And unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, the whole story of the gospel, I need to look that up, figure it out, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under the heaven, under heaven, whereby I, Paul, am made a minister. He's a minister a person that's a helper, communicator, does things for a master. So Paul is just a minister for the Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ, to be able to tell that story. Okay, I want to go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Hope I'm not going too quickly here, but the, some helps that I thought I had didn't turn out just the way I thought they should be. Okay, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five and uh, verse eighteen. Eighteen, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. 
the Heavenly Father made this plan and he wanted to get these people reconciled so that their, their punishment is wiped out, it's gone. But how did he get that gone? Through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job. We need to find other people and get them to know how to reconcile themselves with the Heavenly Father. How do you get right with God? How do you get right with Jesus Christ? Verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, yeah, reconciling the world unto himself. The Heavenly Father is doing this to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Not imputing their transgressions, trespasses, unto them. God could say, no, you don't qualify. You didn't do it right. You didn't do enough. That's not what he's, what he's trying to do. Jesus said too, that's not me. I didn't come here to condemn the world. I came to save it. Condemn trespasses unto them and hath com committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's another like, the, the job description and what we do is transferred to us. And Jesus did it. He was committed to the job and made the reconciliation work, and that's, that's us too. Now verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. If I say something badly and act badly, they'll say all Canadians act like that. Oh, don't like that. What about if they start saying that? Is that what Jesus was like? Did Jesus act like that? That'd be an awful situation. So we're ambassadors where you want to give the right impression first time. Ambassadors for Christ. As though God had beseeched you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. He's pleading with us to get right with the Heavenly Father. Do it right. Stand in good stead with the Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ. Have the plan figured out how, how to present it to others and then go and do it. Present it to others. For he hath made him to be sin. Now you have to go back and start thinking, which him? Him is Jesus Christ because he died on the cross. So this him is Jesus Christ. For he, the Heavenly Father, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. He was going to have to take the punishment of sin. That's, that's the way it works out. If somebody else was going to take your, the punishment for your crime, and if it was death, that's what they have to do. They have to take that death. Jesus did that for us. So that we don't have to die. Wow. For sin. So he, Jesus Christ, hath made him, or God has made Jesus Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Jesus did not sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness. This is, this is holy talk. We're going to be that kind of measurement that we're fighting for and working toward? Yeah. There's other verses that says that we're supposed to be perfect. Sin-free. Uh, read one here already. Un, uh, what was the word? Uh, unblameable. Can't be accused of anything because you did it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, this is what is expected for us to do. 
that when we get right with God, and I'm going to have to end here in just moments, um, when we get right with God, we need to do a real good job of it. Make sure God loves us and cares for us, uh, not just because of some phony thing about our life, that we got fingernails. Yeah, I guess we all have that. Uh, you know, that, that's not the idea. We need to live such that we can serve the Heavenly Father, that we would be a pleasure to the Heavenly Father and a pleasure to Jesus Christ. We get some goodies along the way, right? Yep, we do. But we need to be proving God by doing those blessings that are there. Um, again, one story I heard is two guys walking down the road and the one guy says, oh, just a minute, I've got to take a break here. He said, there's a church here, I need to go in. And uh, so he went into the church and he came back out and I said, why did you do that? He said, well, when they carry me in, I don't want God to say, who is it? <laughs> he needed to be known of the Heavenly Father and vice versa, right? He needs to be known of God, loved of God, servant of Jesus Christ, servant of the Heavenly Father. And then that question won't come up, right? Okay, I'm going to have to end for today. But we still have uh, conversion with a divine law and be an agent of that conversion. And then regeneration happens too. So I'm going to end here for today. May God bless you.